what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Spirit Build Real Talk podcast. Today, we are going to talk about fierce self-compassion emphasis on the fierce. Now, this may be something that is new to you, particularly if you're not used to to a lot of self-care and going within and evaluating what you're thinking about, practicing self-awareness, doing any kind of therapy, having not received coaching. This might be entirely new. However, This is a really great place to start, and it's a beautiful tool that you can use when you feel like you're overcome with stress, pressure, negativity, guilt, shame, a lot of these things that, if you're not careful, you can just let influence you, right? Or there's the temptation to fall under the influence of those things. So I want to start just by breaking down specifically guilt and shame, because these are typically blocks to self-compassion, okay? And self-compassion is the tool to really remove those or, or flip the script that they are creating in your life. So we, we might think that we feel some sort of feeling, but we can't even identify what it is sometimes, right? There was a point in my, my own life where I remember working with a therapist and I was very young, but she handed me this worksheet and it had a list of just like feelings all over it. And they had different facial expressions too. And she was asking me to pick different feelings that I'd been experiencing a majority of the time. And I'm like, I don't even know how to describe how I feel, right? It was wild, but it was so eye-opening too. I was like, this is a problem if I can't even communicate how I feel. And then you can imagine if you can't how if you can't communicate how you feel then how are you going to express yourself to to the people around you or how is that going to play out in relationships right the the manifestation that's going to follow that is not healthy and productive right so that should have been a clue <laughs> that that something was was going on that there was a lot that i was carrying to the point where i couldn't even identify how i felt and this was probably around I want to say 13 or so um, that that we were required to go to therapy for different things that were going on in our family. But that was just a really interesting exercise. So you might be in a place that's similar where you're like, I don't even know how to name the feeling that I'm experiencing, how to articulate what it is that I'm experiencing right now, um, how to really express myself or even ask for what I need. This is a beautiful tool that will help you, okay? Now, one of the sneaky things that we feel is guilt, okay? And both guilt and shame are not coming from God. However, they are tools of the enemy definitely to beat us down, okay? So guilt, here's a few definitions. The fact of having committed a specified 
or implied offense or crime, or a feeling of having done wrong or failed in an obligation. So guilt is an emotional state. This is in the realm of our emotions and our soul is made up of our mind and the thoughts that we're thinking, our will and our willpower and our power of choice and authority to be the authority in our lives and our emotions, what we feel, what we're able to really digest and process and express, right? Guilt is an emotional state where we experience conflict at having done something that we believe we should not have done. Or, conversely, having not done something we believe we should have done. This can give rise to a feeling state which does not go away easily and can be difficult to endure. So sometimes I say that we fill in the gaps. Okay, we, we can make ourselves feel some kind of way because we're projecting a narrative of what we think is happening in a situation when really that's not what's happening at all, right? So sometimes, let's say that you have a work interaction and there's an email exchange going back and forth and you sent some tone in that email and then maybe after you send your email, you feel guilt that you, you shouldn't have come across that way or that you said something wrong or that you didn't express yourself well, right? And then that can weigh heavy on you when this other person might not have felt that way at all, right? And so we could be making up this whole scenario about how that person received it, what they must be thinking now, and just feel the weight of all of this craziness, right? That actually isn't the story at all, right? So simple example, but things like that happen a lot. And even something that seems so subtle or small can weigh so heavy on us. And then that can ripple into you know, having a bad mood with somebody that we're in a close relationship with, or, you know, a just an experience of not handling another situation well, because you're still caught up in the other one. Okay. So it comes from having done something that we believe we should not have done or not doing something we should have done. So even, you know, getting invited to an event, and, and turning it down, yet you feel bad because you feel like you should have gone. You feel guilt, okay? And it can manifest in all these different ways, but it's an emotional state. That's what I want you to recognize. We do, believe it or not, have power over our emotion. We can feel the emotion and decide if it's going to rule us or not, right? Or if it's going to submit to the power of God in our life, to submit to the Holy Spirit, right? And, and God's authority in our life. So we can shift the conflict. The key is to not overindulge in feeling something that you don't want to feel. You actually get to decide how you want to feel. So if you're not feeling good, you can shift it, which is the self-compassion piece, which we'll get to in a minute. So that's guilt. Now, closely related or in the same family here is shame. And shame is heavier than guilt. It's a painful feeling, still in the emotional realm, of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Okay? So shame is is really... You can notice that it's operating when you're withdrawing or when you might just feel like disappearing or isolating it, it really makes you feel like you're not good enough and all you want to do is hide. You don't want to be seen. You don't want to express yourself. You don't want to be heard. You just want to hide, okay? And there can be, be different kinds of shame, you know, just feeling 
disappointed because of not achieving something that you set out to do, maybe being excluded from a group of some kind and and being left out of an experience or situation. It could be public shame, you know, unwanted exposure. We see that happen a lot on social media where things can get taken out of context really quickly. And then also showing love and being rejected. So that's often called unrequited love. But these are examples of where shame comes from. You just feel so foolish for putting yourself out there and being rejected or for you know, giving something your best and, and making a mistake. You know, we hear about humiliation a lot in public speaking where you just are overwhelmed with anxiety and then you trip over all your words and all these humans are looking at you and it's just not a good time, right? So that's often when we feel shame. We don't want to be seen. We just want to get out of any sort of public situation as soon as possible. So those are two emotions that, that come up often, but we are trained <laughs> to to have pride or to have ego or to pretend that we're all puffed up, right? That we are unbothered, if you will, or that we are immune to, to these feelings and these emotional states. However, nobody is immune. We are going to feel and experience these things from time to time, but the key is to recognize it and be able to name it like that feelings worksheet that I just mentioned. I'm feeling guilt right now. Then you could say, okay, what is, where is this feeling coming from? Why do I feel this guilt? Let me explore it, okay? Same with shame. Am I being foolish? right? Why do I feel foolish? Where is that coming from? And a great thing that helps me personally now, and especially when I'm working with clients, is journaling. Because a lot of times we have so much going on in our mind, so much going on in our hearts. Our emotions can be all over the place in even just one day, (laughs) even in one hour, right? We're on social media, we watch the news, we have a bad interaction, we're a hot mess. All it took was 30 minutes, right? So when we're not trained to be very self-aware and self-reflective, what usually helps is writing and journaling because you can get these ideas, these feelings, these experiences, these states out of you and you can see them for what they are if they're on paper. But if you just keep moving through your day and like bulldozing through your day, you can tend to make a mess, okay? So those are two two big ones. Now, when it comes to self-compassion, the resource that I want to refer you to, and I'm going to give you some scriptures too that are really helpful, but there's a resource called selfcompassion.org, selfcompassion.org. And essentially, the research here on this site is helping teach individuals that with self-compassion, we give ourselves the same care and kindness we would give to a good friend, okay? So at its core... Self-compassion is having compassion for oneself. It's really no difference than having compassion for somebody else, right? So it's thinking about what an experience of compassion feels like, okay? So for example, you might notice that somebody else is suffering and you feel compassion for how difficult that situation might be right? Then compassion also involves feeling moved by other suffering so that your heart responds to their pain, okay? So when this happens, you feel warmth, caring, and the desire to help the suffering person. So having compassion means that you offer understanding and kindness to others when they feel 
some kind of way, when they feel like they failed, when they fail, and maybe you've seen that happen, or when they've made mistakes, you feel understanding and kindness for them rather than judging them harshly, okay? And when you feel compassion for another, you don't have pity, okay? It's not a... There's no disdain in this at all. It means that you realize suffering, failure, and imperfection is part of the shared human experience. We all experience that to some degree. So self-compassion involves acting the same way towards yourself when you're having a difficult time, when you experience failure, or notice something that you don't like about yourself. So instead of just ignoring your pain and getting into that puffed up, stiff upper lip mentality, you stop to tell yourself, this is really difficult right now. And you acknowledge your feeling. You acknowledge that it's okay to feel. You acknowledge and maybe name what that feeling is. And then you can even guide yourself, self-coaching, one of the best gifts. That's, side note, one of the reasons why I love coaching and why I dedicate my life to life coaching and working with individuals is because we all need to be a self coach. <laughs> There's so much power in being able to coach ourselves and, and really be able to shift the narrative that we're speaking to ourselves every day. It radically transforms your entire life and the relationships that you have with other people as well. So it's a skill that, that we're not often taught and it's a skill that we ought to be taught. <laughs> so it's something that I love. And once, once you start to learn the power of self coaching, and I primarily learned that through modeling, right? Or through learning different coaching tools and working with my own coaches, right? That's when I really started to become more accountable to doing my own self and eternal work. So working with a coach is a great way to start having that modeled for you so that you can start doing it yourself. So in this situation, rather than ignoring your pain, right? You stop and tell yourself, this is really difficult right now. And then you can even ask yourself, how can I comfort and care for myself in this moment? What do I need right now? Right? Now, <laughs> ideally, right, when you're growing up, parents would, would be able to notice that or to be able to provide nurturing and care and this sort of attention, right, or acknowledgement to you. But often, that didn't happen. And I'm a believer that everybody really is doing the best that they can, right? So no shame, no blame. However, whatever you didn't get, inevitably you will get to decide if you're going to learn it or not. And this is one of those things that we don't often learn. You know, whether that's parents working multiple jobs and not being around and not being present, whether that's, you know, different dysfunction that's happening in the home or, you know, sometimes even people just being sort of self-centered and sometimes self-absorbed that they can't even sense <laughs> what might be going on with you to express compassion to you. There could be many different things, but if you didn't learn this, if it wasn't modeled for you, if you didn't receive it, this is an opportunity to really transform your experience and your relationship with yourself and thus other people, right? Relationships with other people always start with yourself. So instead of mercilessly judging and criticizing yourself for various inadequacies that you have or shortcomings, Self-compassion means you're kind and understanding when confronted with personal failings, you know, and feelings of discomfort like shame and guilt, right? After all, <laughs> whoever said you were supposed to be perfect, that is not what God said, 
Okay, and I just want to bring it back to what God does say. God says, here it is in Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? That is what God requires. We make it super complicated. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. (laughs) Right? Like, it doesn't get any simpler than that, right? So I might even start walk humbly with God because when you humble yourself before God, that's really when you open yourself up to receive his presence, his guidance, all of that in your life, okay? Love kindness because that's what God loves, right? And then do justice. Do what is right in God's sight because you're doing it according to God, not man, right? There's a great scripture that says, work as unto the Lord, not man. And all that you do, I tell you, that kind of accountability will cause you to show up different. So Micah 6, 8. Now also Colossians 3, it's verse 12, says this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So we often hear this forgiving part, right? That I I can forgive because God has forgiven me. So with the same mercy and forgiveness I've been given, I can give that to other people. It's not about me, right? So we often hold on to that part. But at the beginning here, it says, put on, put on, just like you're going to put on clothing every morning, put on compassionate hearts. That means I'm going to choose to be compassionate, even if my initial feeling vibe is not compassion. Okay. I'm going to recognize, Ooh, like I feel discomfort. What is that? Okay, I'm going to give myself compassion so that it opens me up to allow compassion to flow through me. Because if I shut off the flow of compassion in my own heart, it's not going to flow to anybody either. That's a problem. So it says, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Okay, now we have authority to do this, meaning we ha- we've been given spiritual empowerment to do this. It's not, I just don't feel like it. Great, but if you actually exercise your authority, you can activate this. And the more you practice this, the stronger you get at it, right? You don't practice and become really good at patience if you never have opportunities to become good at patience, (laughs) right? Becoming a patient person happens by walking through situations where impatience is the first instinct. It's your first reaction. It's your first feeling to be like, oh, right? But you choose patience instead. That's exercising self-control over your mind, over your will, over your emotions, okay? And we've been given spiritual empowerment to do that. So just wanted to bring that up because we that's what God says. That's what God requires and that's what he tells us to do, okay? Now, also, 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 I mentioned we're talking fierce self-compassion, right? So I want to break this down a little bit too. So you heard a little bit about compassion, but I want to break down fierce self-compassion as well. And again, there's a lot of great resources on selfcompassion.org if you want to explore the research and really dive into some self-compassion practices. I highly recommend it because we don't change a bad habit like overindulging 
in feelings that don't make us feel good. We don't change that habit by continuing to entertain those feelings. We change that habit by activating self-compassion, kindness, putting on new habits, okay? So we don't focus on the old ones. We put all of our energy into putting on and practicing new ones, okay? So there's really great tools here to do that. There's even a test to test your level of self-compassion. So, so good. So I just highly recommend it. But fierce self-compassion. Let me break this one down for you as well, okay? So fierce self-compassion Remember from just self-compassion in general, the the quintessential question here is what do I need right now? (laughs) And more specifically, what do I need to help alleviate my suffering, right? Like I feel pain right now instead of running, instead of stiffing up, right? And puffing up instead of ignoring it, instead of pretending that I'm good and just dealing with it, right? Instead of all that, What do I need to help alleviate my suffering? That's real self-care, okay? The answer to this question changes depending on circumstances. Sometimes what we need is to accept ourselves in all of our human imperfection, self-acceptance. Sometimes we just need to love ourselves where we are in the moment, okay? But that doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to stay in that moment, okay? So most people think of self-compassion as soft and gentle, but self-compassion can be fierce as well as tender, okay? And that's really what I want to highlight today. Tender self-compassion involves being with ourselves in an accepting way. I know, even in my life, in, in many different seasons, throughout many years of my life, I could not be still. It would have been the worst thing for me to be still and to think about what I was thinking about or to feel and sit with what I was feeling. I I didn't want to do that. I wanted to exercise. I wanted to move. I wanted to produce. I wanted to achieve. I wanted to do, I wanted to be busy. I wanted to be as busy as I could because if I were busy, then my mind wouldn't have to go into reflection. Then I wouldn't have to sit in what I was feeling, right? And I could pretend that all was good. The worst thing that I could have ever done, okay? (laughs) So hopefully you're hearing that that is not a good habit to practice, okay? Looks great on the outside. Looks like you're set. Looks like you're strong. Looks like all is well, but you could be completely falling apart on the inside. So tender self-compassion involves this ability to be still and to be with ourselves in an accepting way comforting ourselves, reassuring ourselves that we're not alone, and being present with our pain. That was terrifying for me. And that's why I also needed people like coaches, like therapists that were trained to hold space. Trained to hold space so that they could hold that space and let me know that I'm not crazy. Let me know that I'm not alone. Let me know that what I'm feeling is okay and I'm not going to (laughs) die. Letting me know that it gets better and, and pouring some hope and encouragement into me. If I wasn't getting that anywhere and, you know, I was just really self critical, I was engaging in a lot of self hate rather than self-acceptance, right? And this hatred and this criticism and this judgment turned inward, you can implode. It's just not healthy, right? So fierce self-compassion involves acting in the world to alleviate suffering. It tends to involve protecting, providing for, and motivating ourselves. Sometimes we need to stand tall and say no, 
this is the famous boundaries, <laughs> right? Or other times we might need to fight injustice in some kind of way. Or we may need to say yes to ourselves to do what's needed to be happy rather than subordinating our needs to those of others. So if you're a recovering people pleaser or a codependent, this could be very jarring in the beginning when you start enforcing boundaries and when you start practicing what makes you happy, right? You're going to have to go on a journey to explore who are you? What does make you happy? Who are you when you're not making sure that everybody else is good, right? And if you've lived your whole life that way, that can feel very, very strange in the beginning. And if we're stuck in a bad situation or habits that are harmful, it means doing something different. It means acknowledging that this isn't healthy. Enough is enough. I am the authority in my life. I am responsible for my life. I can make wise decisions. I'm making wise decisions. I'm changing my life, right? My life is up to me and I have the power to make it change. I have the power to make it however I want it to be, okay? So it's not because we're unacceptable as we are, but because we care and because we know that there's, we can be more, we can do more, we can have more, we can serve more, okay? And we can only do that when we actually have self-compassion for ourselves. So contrary to what a lot of people believe, the way to the top in life or the way to success in life is not through putting more demands on yourself, not pushing yourself harder, not 10xing your hustle. It's not through that, actually. It's through self-compassion, strangely enough. And spirit-driven success, which I teach about and talk about and have a course on, is all about self-compassion and building on kingdom foundation and kingdom principles because that is what really is built to last, right? We, we build things all the time, but unless the Lord builds the house, it will not stand. So we really want to make sure that we have kingdom principles, which are contrary to the world and the world system. Okay. So if tender self-compassion is metaphorically like a parent soothing a ch- crying child, fierce compassion is like a mama bear who ferociously protects her cubs when threatened or catches fish to feed them or moves them to a new territory with better resources. It's very intuitive and instinctive and there's a rise of action, right? It's not just sitting with ourselves. It's now moved into healthy forward progress, okay? So what is essential here with fierce compassion is the the yin and yang that's going on. There's two faces of self-compassion. It's balanced and integrated so that we can be whole. When both are present, so when we can both be tender with ourselves and sit and be self-aware and reflect and feel what we're feeling without judgment or blame or shame or guilt, right? but also be fierce and and moved into action, moved into change, right? It creates a caring force that can be used to transform ourselves and the world around us, right? So self-compassion is a superpower, all right? And it's something that, again, if you get really great at this, it will change your I want to say your your lightness of being, like literally how much weight you carry through the world, <laughs> how heavy you feel, right? Uh, how much energy you feel or how much energy you have or how much energy you lack, right? And then also relationship dynamics. When you're self-compassionate, you have so much more compassion for others. Truly. 
right? And this really does change the game too on red flags and non-negotiables and all the things. This is super, super powerful. So an example of this too, um, this is how many years ago now? I want to say like five, five years, five sounds about right. Four and a half or five. Okay. In that ballpark. So I was starting to experience this need to up level my lifestyle habits. Now, I didn't particularly in that season or that time have bad habits, right? Like I thought I was eating clean. I was getting good sleep. I was um, serving. I was running um, and moving my body. I was still taking care of myself. But here's, here's what was happening for me. I was noticing stress and demands and expectations increase uh, in the work that I was doing. I had many different volunteer opportunities that I was juggling. I was walking through relationship trauma <laughs> and, and a lot of unknowns and uncertainty. I was in the mix of helping people launch a lot of different entrepreneurial businesses and being expected to really be a mentor and help them. And I, I really just started to feel like it was starting to get really, really heavy. <laughs> And that I couldn't, I was also going to ministry school at the time. So there was a lot, a lot that was happening that season. And I really was, again, feeling led by God to change my lifestyle habits, right? Like right now, there was nothing that I could pull out of or change. It was not time to do that. I was doing what I was called to do. I was where I was assigned to be. I was in position. However, I did have to care for myself in a different way since there was going to be more that I was going to be walking through. There was going to be many different places that I was going to be pouring into. So it was so imperative that I made sure that I was filling my own cup and really, really disciplined about that. So I came up with, and you can find this on my website, julianapage.com, I came up with the daily five as my new foundation to help me just be clear on what my boundaries were, on what I could take on and what I couldn't, to how to communicate with other people and really let my yes be yes and my no be no, to be firm, you know, to be tender with myself, yet firm and fierce in what I was showing up to do. And I started working out uh, in a different way. I started doing a lot of different cross training and weight training programs. I started eating super clean and eliminating a lot of sugar and caffeine from my diet to just make sure that I wasn't having emotional spikes or that I wasn't able to think clearly. I really had to be disciplined about my schedule when I was going to sleep and, you know, different things that I was committing to, um, what I was going to, how I was going to serve, when I was going to serve, you know, when I was going to pull back. I got so clear about all these things and practicing a ton of gratitude, just reminding myself again to practice not just gratitude, but this self-compassion, like you're doing a great job. It's getting clear every day. You are divinely guided and supported. You are being held in the arms of the Father right now. God is protecting you. God is leading you. God is guiding you, right? And starting to speak to myself in this way. And that alone, I call them the daily five. They were just the five things that I needed to be doing every day to make sure that I was taken care of, <laughs> that I was supported, that I could pour out, that my cup was full, okay? And these weren't complicated things. This was spending time with God. This was moving my body. This was eating clean. This was serving. And this was gratitude. 
Okay. It was super simple and it was only five because I could, I could keep that up. Now, if I started to notice that, you know, I was falling out of workouts or, you know, my, my meals were not consistent or I wasn't giving my body the nutrients it needed, or I was, you know, not practicing the gratitude or I was heavily focused on one thing over another that really informed how I could show up differently so that I could be again, tender with myself and then also fierce in the action that I'm taking. So in that moment, prior to making this decision to start really embracing these daily five things, I had the decision. I was really tender with myself being like, I'm overwhelmed. I feel alone. I feel afraid. I feel anxious and uncertain about my future, but I know that I'm held. I know that I'm supported. I know that I'm empowered to walk through this. So I'm not going to deny what I feel. I'm not going to pretend that I'm okay, but I am going to change things. So the minute I, I just accepted, okay, I hear you, God. What does that look like? This is where the daily five came from. And then all of the follow through was in showing up and just doing the daily five every day. Now, it didn't necessarily make the season easier, but it made me the healthy human to walk through that season. So I hope that example encourages you. Again, you can go to selfcompassion.org. I'm not affiliated. I'm not connected. I've just observed and seen that there's a lot of great tools there as well. That That's a great place to get started and just test your self-compassion or to explore some different self-compassion practices that you have. Journaling is one of my favorite. Working with a coach, working with a therapist, having community around you. Uh, It's super important, specifically spiritual community that you trust. Very, very important. Getting adequate sleep, (laughs) right? And having just self-care practices that you know help you, whether that's journaling, going for a walk, listening to your favorite podcast, right? But some level of investment is really important. I know I posted the other day about how we have this thought that working with a personal trainer or working with a nutritionist or working with a life coach or working with a therapist, that those things are luxuries. And the truth is, they're not luxuries. If you're trying to be great, if you're trying to to break generational curses, if you're trying to establish a, a new legacy, if you're trying to create something brand new or pioneer something new that no one's ever seen. These things are essential. They're not luxuries. They are essential. They are a non-negotiable, right? So, you know, even as a business owner, like they're part of my team. Like I will have my own therapist, my own coach, like I will have support. Okay. Because I know that me on my own is not what it's going to (laughs) take. So it's okay to ask for help if that's where you are too, because Really and truly, we're not going to create the life that we're obsessed with or the abundant life that Jesus talks about, right? If we're making decisions that feel comfortable with our current mind. Think about this, right? Your current decisions have created your current reality. And if you want to create a reality that blows your mind, you have to make decisions that stretch your mind. We didn't get here wherever you are right now by doing what we've always done. We got here wherever we are by making decisions that were scary and uncomfortable. True. And that's always going to be true. (laughs) Right? We jumped off the metaphorical edge, right? Free falling, hoping, praying, and holding the faith until we were caught. 
right? Until it made sense, until, you know, we saw it with our physical eyes, when we only saw it with our eyes of faith, right? And I truly believe that anybody can create the life they deeply want, but if only, it's only going to happen if they are willing to make different decisions than they've ever made. So in this case, practicing guilt, practicing shame, practicing feeling the way you don't want to feel hasn't probably up-leveled or progressed your life. It's kept you stuck and it's kept you rehearsing the past and rehearsing pain that you can be free of. Now, You don't change it by focusing on those things or judging yourself or criticizing yourself. You practice self-compassion and being tender with yourself, being caring to yourself, asking yourself questions, practicing some coaching, and then you're fierce with that compassion as well. Fierce to the point where you're driven to action, where you're driven to take responsibility, where you're driven to do something about it, where you're driven to invest in a coach, a therapist, whatever it might be for you. A program, right? Where you're willing to take a risk and put yourself on the line. Huge. Huge. That's how you can really up-level your life. All right, guys, I hope this message was helpful and that it blessed you. If you want to connect, make sure that you go visit julianapage.com. We've got two new books over there. One is a book, another is a training manual. Both are chock full of tools and self-care practices. There's a lot of courses that I have available as well. And then you can subscribe here to make sure that you get notifications every time a new podcast comes out. And there's also a mastermind that you can be a part of as well if you do want some group coaching in your life or also VIP coaching. So go check out all of the things over at julianapage.com. And until next time, stay blessed.